hopefully you may have seen in, in the um, materials that were sent over, um, what we've announced uh, just recently is Clarity, which is our perception platform for automotive. And uh, it, we think it really fills a missing gap in the assisted uh, driving and autonomous driving systems that are being built and launched into the market today. And specifically, um, you know, we think uh, the gap that exists is that these systems for perception that allow the vehicles to see the world around them, um, they don't see far enough and, and they don't see in enough detail. Um, and Clarity uh, attempts to solve this problem by using a camera-based system um, rather than LiDAR or, or radar, which as you know, are uh, active systems uh, that emit uh, in the case of LiDAR lasers and uh, uh, in the case of radars, radio waves to try to bounce off of objects and come back and give some sense of distance uh, of objects that, that can be seen. So we're, we're doing the same thing, but doing it with cameras and, and using cameras uh, a bit differently than, than current players in the market are today. So let me just share my screen. So I just wanted to give you a visual reference. This is a test vehicle of ours um, that, that we use for uh, designing and developing our product. And what you're seeing here is um, a number of cameras labeled A1 through A4. Um, this is just one example of a reference implementation. Um, I, the middle top A1 is we call the reference camera. I'm gonna be showing you some footage uh, as if you're viewing the world from this camera, but we're simultaneously running all these cameras and in real time at 30 frames a second, we're using something that is basically the same principle uh, by which we as humans see depth, which is called parallax or stereo vision. So when you have multiple cameras or two eyes, uh, you're able to, uh, through a process called parallax, determine depth uh, of things in the world. And of course, with um, computers and cameras, you can get much more precise depth uh, and, and a much greater range. And so this again is a test rig. Obviously, if this were a production vehicle, you would have cameras in the A pillars and behind the, the windscreen, behind the rear view mirror and so forth. But um, since we re reconfigure this from time to time, it, it, it stays on the top of the vehicle. And to give you a quick comparison of what we see versus traditional systems, um, we're, we're headquartered in Redwood City in the Bay Area of California. And what you're looking at here is just the, the cameras looking at a street in Redwood City. We often ride with a LiDAR on the vehicle. And this is a LiDAR return, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, not a state-of-the-art LiDAR, uh, certainly, but not a cheap one either, and a 32-channel LiDAR. And like by industry convention, you know, the each dot is a return. So every one of these is about 75,000 uh, returns or uh, data points on this slide. And the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo out to violet is a representation in color of how far the distance is. We use the same color scheme. And of course, what you can tell right away is the richness of the depth data provided by a camera-based system using the stereo optic approach or multi-stereo as we call it is far greater. Whereas this is about 75,000 points. This is about 1.8 million points of data. And you can see right away that, that when you have this much data, um, you're actually, even as human eyes can tell, this is a vehicle, this is a street lamp with some street signs. And the way people running LIDARs have to do this is they, they will fuse this uh, camera, they have cameras as well, monocular or single cameras, they'll fuse this camera with the LIDAR 
um, so that they know, for example, this row of points is, is reflecting off of the back of what now is known to be this SUV in the scene. So, um, so a couple of key differences right out of the gate in how we, we do it. And, and, um, and also then the, the LiDAR and camera only folks will be using artificial intelligence or machine learning to understand what things are in the scene. So with that kind of baseline, let's just jump into a demo. Um, what I've got here is, this is um, San Francisco, California Street, a, a challenging area to do perception given the hills and the terrain. And I'm gonna run this at 15 frames a second just because it's less clunky on Zoom if I do that. Um, and what you'll see as I start this video is, uh, this is the reference camera view, as I said, A1. Uh, you see a motorcyclist come into the frame. And over here, I've got vehicle info, the GPS coordinates, the compass heading or bearing, IMU information on the pitch roll and yaw. The lux meter, this is just telling us how bright it is, very bright day at 9,000 lux. And again, all four cameras are running and processing the depth, but I'm showing you just kind of a human viewable video stream out of one, um, one camera. So what I'd like to do now though, to show you, you know, where the magic is in this type of perception system is go into uh, our single frame analyzer so I can look at a detailed view of the frame. Um, and now you'll see what the computer sees processing all the cameras together in a single view. So it's enhanced uh, with color, the colors are enhanced to make it more um, human viewable. And I can always look at it from uh, this pixel depth as we call it, seeing a visual of the depth. But uh, we also have this uh, construct called pixel cloud, which is like a point cloud a LIDAR puts out, but with much more information. And this is where things really start to get interesting. So now it still looks like a photograph to you or a regular picture, but it's actually not. What you're looking at is that in this frame for every, for every pixel in this view, we get the color information, but we also get the exact depth information. And you'll see up here in the left where I'm waving the cursor. Um, wherever I put my cursor, it'll tell you how many meters in front of the van the object is. So now I'll zoom in a little bit to the motorcyclist here, and you'll see what I mean. As we start, as I rotate around, it starts to pixelate and you see the exact 3D structure of this motorcyclist is maintained um, in, in perfect 3D form. And if I come back over and you know, focus on how far he is away, I see that the tire looks to be about 28.56 meters away. The backpack's 29.1 meters, the helmet 29.4. So you're getting this very precise measurement um, per pixel. And this is what I mean in terms of the difference of, of various systems. So, so you know, a typical um, camera-based or camera plus LiDAR-based system has no knowledge of 3D structure. And, and in fact, what happens is if I pop back out, whether you're Tesla using cameras only or you're um, Waymo using a camera plus a LiDAR, the first thing you're doing is, is through your cameras, you're seeing this picture and you run it through your neural network and your AI tells you this is a motorcyclist. Okay, so if it's a motorcyclist, then um, uh, in, in the case of a Tesla the, the, or a mobile eye, the answer would be, well, uh, since I know this is a motorcycle, I can use scale. How many pixels is this taking up on the image sensor? 
And that scale will tell me it's 29 meters away. And of course, that's where failure cases happen, as you guys are well aware. Um, you know, if it, it, this works very well if you've had millions and millions of examples of data to train your system on. But if you see something you're not expecting, such as a semi truck going across the highway perpendicular to it, you know, that's a long tail situation and a tragic accident could occur. Um, and, and with LiDAR based systems, remember that they, they can put this through a neural network and say, okay, it's a motorcyclist, uh, but they still have no issue, uh, idea of 3D structure. They just have a, a point off the back of the motorcycle to give it a distance. And the problem that generates is like this. Uh, let me go back over here if I move my, is, is this kind of dilemma. Yeah, I don't know if you happen to catch this from the Electric Future Handle Twitter account, but this was someone, this is down in Australia, where you know the, the person took a screenshot of his, his Tesla monitor and talked about the car braking because with, with a Tesla system or even a LiDAR and camera, um, you can't tell the difference between the drawing of a man and an actual man, right? So, so of course, here the Tesla thinks it's seeing an actual human being, who's much closer to the Tesla than the bus and, and much bigger because again, it's going by scale. The, the, the humans aren't this big. So if I think that's a human, it's gotta be closer. And that's kind of a classic mistake today's systems make because they don't have 3D structure. So, and even in this frame, you know, uh, going back to the idea of misidentifying things, you know, if you wanna predict something's a pedestrian and might, might the pedestrian step in the road and be a hazard. We even noticed in this frame, there's something that, that could be a problem for AI when I zoom to this pedestrian. Um, we'll see she's holding something like a flip chart or an easel here. And that might not be immediately recognized by uh, a neural network because um, uh, if you haven't had enough points of data to train on this, uh, it could be mistaken itself for a street sign because that's a common thing. Something vertical with a rectangular uh, sign on it would be quite common. And then sort of the last thing to kind of point out again is, is the range. You know, if I go back and look at, at this scene and we go down to this building, this building's a, a little over a thousand meters away from the vehicle. Um, very key missing piece in autonomous today um, certainly for L4 trucking, you know, the semi-trucks of 175, 180 meters to come to a stop. If the truck's only got half a load, it can, you can double that distance. And so the best LIDARs today can see about 250 meters of distance. So if you need 350 meters to stop, that, that's kind of a problem. Just, just a little background on who you guys are. You're not a new company. You guys started with cameras five or so years ago. That's right, we started in 2014, that's right. This is not necessarily new technology for you guys, you're just implementing it into the autonomous sector, correct? That's right, yes, correct. Without a neural net or AI training, how would you distinguish between road lines and train your vehicles for uh, different areas like San Francisco or construction zones? Great question. Great question. So, um, so typically we, we are, uh, you know, we're another sensor, if you can think of us that way, like a LIDAR, like a radar. And, and as we're working with 
partners today. You know, we work with people. We haven't we haven't publicly announced any partnerships, but we are working with traditional auto OEMs. We're working with tier one uh, suppliers. We're working with full stack autonomous companies. And, and our model would be to, to be like a, a radar or a LIDAR so that we, all these systems will have their own neural nets and perception uh, platforms. So what we hand off to the, just like a, a LIDAR would hand off a point cloud to the uh, neural network, we would hand off our pixel cloud, uh, even in a PCD format if that was requested. So the neural network can run as usual. So, so the benefit really here is is yes, you want, you know, you, you definitely want the neural network to under, see and understand things like lane markings and, and roadsides. And, and it is important to know that this is a motorcyclist, but um, when these neural networks uh, hit ed edge cases and fail, that's where we want to be a redundancy and be able to say, well, you know, look, I, I, I may not know this is a, a identify this as a pedestrian, a person, but I know that there's a 3D structure in that spot moving at a certain rate, and I therefore want to avoid it at all costs. So that's, that's the added layer of redundancy, if you will, that we provide. Why, why limit yourself to just uh, cameras using depth perception instead of adding radar as well or another LiDAR system on top of it for a more perfected solution? I think that, that, that that's wise to do so, particularly as we get to L4 and L5 solutions, right? I think these all, you know, a, a robust sensor suite that includes LiDAR, radar, light clarity, and ultrasonic is, is really important for a redundancy and fault tolerance. I think, you know, we do sell our solution as well for those kind of safety and com comfort and convenience uh, use cases for L2, L3. So, adaptive suspension control or lane centering or things like this. Um, and I think maybe when you're looking at cost benefit when uh, for systems like that, you may not be looking for all the, the fault tolerance you need in an L4 or L5 solution. So your solution sort of uh, modular, you could kind of just add more cameras, add radar to achieve a higher level of autonomy. Absolutely. Yeah. How much more would need to be added for level four or five? So for, you know, for true level five autonomy, we would envision, you know, a, a light clarity solution that's 360 degrees around the vehicle, um, you know, uh, LIDAR covering the same range and then radar probably in the forward facing direction. And, and the, um, and, you know, the benefits are that, you know, beyond the LIDAR range of 250 meters, you now have light to give you um, out to a thousand meters of perception. So this uh, is very useful even in non-trucking applications for things like route planning, you know, being able to see a, a, an issue going on on the freeway, whether it's a construction zone or an accident and exit the highway and reroute the vehicle, um, whether it is stopping distances for, for larger vehicles. Um, inside of 250 meters, you would get uh, the fault tolerance and redundance of having both uh, the light clarity and, and the LiDAR solution. And with uh, just cameras, I, I have a Tesla right now and I, I drive on autopilot and I, I see a big issue with low visibility, uh, rain, snow. How would, how would this solve those issues? 
So, yeah, so great question and uh, a number of ways. I think we've got not on this demo I have today, but we can send you, uh, if, if you're interested in, for the print uh, side of your business, the um, some great um, low light uh, scenes from this app that I'm showing you called In-Depth that, um, that show we work really well with conventional headlights uh, under even a, one lux of, of, of light. And that, that's just by the the you know non-custom stock uh, headlights on the Chrysler Pacifica you saw, so and and we achieved that in, in a couple of ways. One, we we um, uh, were able to reduce the um, or remove the IR cut filters from the camera, so uh, you're, we're now seeing in the IR uh, non-visible spectrum of light that that makes a big difference. We can set uh, other cameras at different exposures. Um, so, you know, in other words, if, if headlights are coming toward you and you've got a long exposure, then you, you're going to overexpose that. But, but you ha can have other cameras that, that are a very short exposure to create a higher dynamic range. So we, we do this as well in, in the, for the inclement weather kind of conditions. Um, and and for, for the true um, uh, kind of hard, hard use cases, you know, the hardest is probably very heavy fog. We, we are on the roadmap. We don't have that solved yet, but we think the approach there is going to be uh, additional uh, IR cameras, uh, getting into shortwave IR. Uh, do you guys see yourself as a, a software or a hardware company? Uh, yes, the answer is both. So we, um, <laughs> uh, the solution we sell um, is um, our computational Im imaging algorithms uh, running on uh, our ASICs. So we have a, a piece of silicon chip that we sell to the uh, OEM or tier one as part of the solution. So our operating model is we work with the tier ones and the OEMs uh, for the autonomous system they're building to integrate our perception piece of the platform and sell them the, the software and the ASIC. Um, uh, so, so the chip is part of the solution. And in the case of people that do their own silicon, um, we also have a soft IP so that instead of selling a physical piece of silicon, we, we can just provide the soft core or uh, the so-called RTL that the manufacturer incorporates on their own chip. You, you mentioned that a market ready product would be, would have cameras implemented into the A pillar, B pillar the car itself, not, you know, stacked on top. Yeah, that's correct. We've, we, we, we do a number of meetings with the, the design groups at, at the OEMs and, you know, sharing our tolerances, uh, you know, for uh, position, for vibration and, and so on and so forth. Um, and, um, and those have been the positions suggested that people are very comfortable, can meet all the specifications as, as well as the, the bumpers so all the pillars, the ABC pillars, the front and back bumpers, all seem to be uh, very ideal candidates, you know. And and um, the cameras you saw in the demo were uh, rather large industrial housings that that we built up for robustness since we're putting them there. But they're they're much much smaller for uh, in production uh, cameras that could fit in those other places. Would a consumer be able to purchase your product as an attachment? third-party sale or are no, you strictly we, looking for an OEM partnership? Yeah, we're strictly selling through the channel or, or directly to the OEM. We, we actually don't have a um, uh, aftermarket uh, product, nor, nor do we 
plans for an aftermarket product. Where do you see the cost of something like this being compared to like Tesla's autopilots now, $10,000 and continuously increasing? Yeah, so um, so our solution uh, uh, will range based on the use case like we talked about, um, whether it's L, L, you know, L2, L3 kind of applications or, or more autonomous L4, L5. For a forward-facing uh, three-camera solution, we anticipate the, the price to the OEM will be around $150. Now going to uh, complete 360 coverage of the vehicle for a uh, full autonomous solution will be closer to $1,000. Would something like this be connected through uh, over-the-air updates to continuously improve? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we would absolutely. This, this, The idea would be to update this as uh, enhancements are, are developed um, in, in, in a real-time fashion. This might seem redundant, but what happens if like mud covers a camera lens? It's it's a big issue I see with with Tesla's solution of having strictly only cameras. Right, right. So, so a couple of things we're working with a number of the manufacturers on you know the 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 lens or the surface cleaning technologies that are, are part of this. So so you do have the notion of of synchronized cleaning or wiping uh, of the surfaces to make sure that debris is removed um, as, as the first step. There are also things we can do in signal processing um, uh, to remove uh, these particles. So when particles uh, you know, hit, hit the lens and are detected by the, the, um, the imaging sensor, if it's not full on mud, it's just heavy dust or you know, you're in a dust storm, we can actually, um, with signal processing, um, remove these particles from appearing in the image that has to be calculated to determine the depth. Um, and then finally, if there's just a catastrophic failure, mud and, and the, the cleaning um, mechanism has, has, has um, failed, then you would get a, a system fault and a, and a disengagement. Do you see this technology being able to do something like uh, robo-taxis? Or because oh. of that low chance of having a disengagement, it's not really feasible? Um, no, I, I think this is certainly uh, suitable for robo-taxis. I mean, you know, we have a number of other, other things that we do with OEMs. So, for example, we, we can build redundancy for our partners into the system itself, right? So, so again, if you think of a full robo-taxi, you're probably talking about anywhere from 10 to 14 cameras around the vehicle, depending on what sorts of redundancies you want to build in. Um, the, and and, and um, they're likely, you know, it, with a multi-sensor solution, you'll be seeing other uh, redundancies in, in the form of LiDAR and ultrasonic, for example. And, um, and robo-taxis are, are going to tend to be a lower speed as well. So, you know, we, with our partners, you know, we're designing you know, in every direction, you know, can I survive, you know, X cameras in that direction covering that field of view failing. And again, that's just a cost benefit trade off, depending on how much redundancy the customer wants built into the system. Okay, we've seen your testing vehicles. Um, but have, have you guys actively been testing any autonomy features? Or are you just gathering data on the cameras itself? We're just gathering data on the cameras itself. You know, we're, we're working with our partners. We, uh, as I mentioned, we're not announced, but we have a number who have 
taken an evaluation license of our technology and, and we're, through the partners we'll be testing those uh, various features of autonomous. Okay, thank you. Uh, Dennis, do you have anything? Yeah, I have a couple questions. Hi, Dave. Hi. Um, so on your website, it states that the minimum requirement for your system to work is two cameras and the accelerator. Could you touch upon what type of features you can expect with the bare minimum requirements for the system? Sure. So so the bare minimum requirements really um, define a system that, that, that uh, will serve you for these L2, L3 use cases we're talking about. So something that where your range is a more narrow window. And when I say narrow window, I mean, you know, maybe zero to 250 or 300 meters instead of to a thousand meters, or alternatively, depending on the cameras you pick, you know, you may, you may want to really have good depth measurement from starting at hundred meters from the vehicle to 300 meters or something like that. So it gives you a narrower range of depth you can cover uh, is, is the primary trade-off for the, the lower cost solution. But you know, certainly very good for things like uh, adaptive cru uh, cruise control, forward collision avoidance, adaptive suspension, things where you need to see you know, 150, 200 meters out to see where there's a pothole or a problem with the road, uh, lane centering uh, as well, things like that. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, by my understanding, this system doesn't require a lot of um, training in terms of tagging everything. So, you know, we've seen with companies like Tesla and Waymo, they have to feed the, the AI neural net a bunch of data to make sure that the systems work. Um, it, am I correct in saying that this system doesn't require you to put in millions of miles of data for it to, to work comprehensively? Yeah, that's exactly right. So our system doesn't require any training. There's no machine learning uh, going on here. We're, we're using signal processing or physics to, to actually measure the depth and 3D structure of everything in the field of view. Um, and what this means is, you know, instantly or 30 times a second, um, what, what the objects are in the world around you, how big they are, and, and what velocity they're traveling um, without needing to know what they are. Um, so, you know, this is, again, where, you know, you, you're not going to have a problem uh, like uh, a tractor trailer sitting perpendicularly on the freeway or overturned on the freeway um, and, and not uh, know there's something of, of immense size in front of you that you need to avoid. Um, and as I mentioned, um, I think people still want to, and there's still a need to do the neural network uh, training for other purposes uh, to understand it's a car or a pedestrian or motorcyclist for predictive engines to kind of uh, be able to predict what the, the pedestrian may step into the street or that the car may swerve. You, you want your neural net to do those things, but you're not having to rely on your neural network to determine uh, what this 3D structure is. Um, your, um, your website states that your L4 and L5 capabilities are being limited to semi-trucks, at least I assume initially. Is Can you explain why you're limiting it to semi-trucks and will we be able to see L4, L5 features in regular sedans sometime in the future? Uh, we're, we're, we are not limiting it to semi-trucks. I have to go back and look at the website and see what we're saying that may cause that confusion. I apologize for that, but no. Um, uh, what, I know one of the things we do talk about is um, we've built some reference designs 
uh, specifically for uh, L4, L5 trucking because they have a big focus on long range. So, um, uh, so, so that, that's something that we've taken a specific focus on because there is no other sensing technology that can range out to a thousand meters. But we definitely are targeting clarity for all L4, L5, including robo-taxi and, and passenger vehicles because in, in, in the nearer distances and in, in the shorter ranges up to a few hundred meters, as I say, we still have this benefit of, of um, seeing 3D structure and doing measured depth without any machine learning. Um, for the longer ranges, even for things like uh, uh, passenger autos, um, that, that range is really powerful for doing uh, route planning uh, when you determine there's been an obstruction or construction zone or accident on the freeway, for example. I've noticed that uh, your website also states that this system has applications outside of autonomous driving. Could you touch upon some of those um, ways they could be used? Yeah, uh, our system does have a lot of applicability outside of autonomous driving, and it, it gets to the question you asked earlier, you know, do you need uh, to do machine learning or uh, neural network training uh, to determine the, the, the size and distance of these objects? And we don't because we're really domain agnostic. Again, we, we don't know uh, what we're looking at. We just know the exact 3D structure of it um, and uh, its velocity and, and how far away it is in the scene. You know, if you look at the scene on the screen here and I even zoom into another point like over here, um, we, we don't have a concept that this is a stairway, but we can actually tell you uh, what the, the depth and size of each stair is. So. When you think about uh, robots having to uh, navigate a, a complicated factory floor, being able to determine uh, the, the location and shape and dimensions of things um, without regard to where they are is very powerful. Um, uh, in a scene like this, you can even see that it would be useful for HD mapping, uh, or um, you can also think of security applications. So, so we are. Uh, really extensible because we are domain agnostic. Uh, obviously, the more data, the the better in these applications. Most people would say um, your system runs at thirty frames per second from the cameras. Is that uh, a comfortable frames for you guys, or are you hoping in the future to squeeze out more data from higher frame rates, or is thirty FPS good enough for the system to work? Yeah, so we think uh, 30, 30 FPS is, is absolutely fine for these systems to run at. You know, most LIDARs run lower than that, uh, maybe uh, 20 hertz or so. Um, you know, aspirationally, um, you know, <laughs> we're engineers, so it's always about performance, right? And, and I think, yeah, we'll always be striving um, to, uh, to increase the frame rate. Um, you know, at this point, what we're finding from the, the industry is, is that um, there, there's not a need or an ability, frankly, to handle more data. Right now, we're generating, you know, whereas uh, about 1.8 million um, points of information per frame, um, and at our highest rates and highest sensor, uh, largest sensors, about, you know, 95 million points of depth information per second. That compares to, you know, the best LIDAR at about 5 million per second. So it's certainly uh, enough for industry needs today, but you know, uh, industry uh, will be pushing the bounds of technology. You know, the features that people want to enable, and we want to be there to support those as they come. 
And uh, finally, do you guys have a rough goal or estimate of when you want this system to be out on the road? Yeah, so we it, it's our goal to announce our first um, design wins uh, next year um, and have and see things in market by uh, 2023. Let me just squeeze a couple more in here. Um, do you see this as another option or the only option to achieve something like robo-taxis? And a follow-up to that is, you don't have to answer, but do you think Tesla can get to where they want to be with their current system? Sure. I think, um, so um, I, I, I will be bold or maybe provocative and say, yeah, I don't think as an industry we can ever get to true level five uh, autonomous driving at large scale, meaning getting beyond the ring geofenced areas and things like that without clarity. Because what's missing is um, a real-time understanding of the, the 3D structures in, in the field of view. And without that, we're always going to have the problem uh, like, like we looked at on the other screen of uh, a system seeing a drawing of a man on the back of a bus and thinking it's a real man. Or, you know, far more dangerously, maybe somebody in a city scene is um, unloading a truck uh, uh, so that it is a real human being that's got a pallet off the back of a truck about to step into the street and that person being misidentified as a picture on the back of the truck. So without clarity, uh, you never get to large scale um, deployments of level five. And you know, in answer to the question about Tesla, um, obviously we feel that um, cameras can solve uh, autonomous needs. Um, that, that's our approach. Um, uh, I, I think you know, t Tesla's challenge I think is going to be uh, because it is a, you know, a largely, uh, you know, machine learning based system, how do they ultimately cover all the long tail edge cases uh, that, that may come about? I mean, there are just millions and millions of edge cases. And when you think about how many millions of uh, pieces of data you need to train on for each of those, it, it looks mathematically pretty challenging. I know they're trying to augment or it appears they are through using things like structure from motion uh, but I think even their system would be uh, improved by incorporating something like clarity. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Dave. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, so that's... Oh, yeah, sorry. That's all, that's all the time we have. Um, Dave, was there anything that we didn't touch upon that you wanted to, to speak on, or are you good? I'm good, thanks. I think you guys got it.